live from the House of LeMay Makeup and Dressing Room. Here comes Amber. Stop what you're doing. Here comes Amber. She's just doing what she can. Here comes Amber. Cue the spotlight. Here comes Amber with two drinks in her hand. The matriarch of fashion. Glasses, you can't look away. Ask her, does she do it? Really nothing to it. She's got that fun and gay. If you have a party, or if you're feeling naughty, call up the house of the maid. Hello, and welcome to the Amber Live interviews. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live. We want to remind you to subscribe to us both here and at youtube.com slash amberlive. You don't want to miss a moment of Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens. There's so much more to the show than just the interviews that Amber does each week. We have hundreds of interviews, comedy sketches, songs, and more on YouTube that you can watch anytime. But... In the meantime, you can listen to the amazing interviews right here. Now enjoy this episode of Amber Live Interviews. Mercury Stardust is a professional home maintenance technician, burlesque performer, and award-winning activist. Known widely as the trans handyman, her unique brand of compassionate education in the home repair space has earned her internet fame. With over 2 million followers on TikTok, Mercury sp spreads the do-it-yourself knowledge with love. Her expertise includes rental maintenance, landlord negotiations, clogs, drywall, painting, minor electrical repairs, caulking, and more. Let's find out more about Mercury Stardust. Mercury, come on in. <laughs> Hi, Amber. How's, the dog? How's it going? It's going fine. Well, that was a mouthful. You do a lot of things. I do do a lot of things. What jumped out for me before we talk about the home maintenance stuff and you're, you being the handyman, burlesque performer? Yeah, I've been doing that for over 15 years, 800 performances. Um, and I, uh, I had 13 international burlesque awards um, by the time that I just... I just officially retired in December of uh, 2022. So now I am just focusing on all of this stuff instead of all. So tell me about your act. What, what did you do? Well, I um, had a whole bunch of different famous acts that I was really known for. I was really known for the light bulb act, which was an act that I was like vaudevillian. And this light bulb would come on magically and then I would perform and then when I would I would get naked for strangers and, <laughs> and then towards the end of the act, I would unscrew the light bulb and then screw it into a light bulb thong and I would light up the light bulb. So I did that act uh, like 180 sometimes before I uh, ended up ended up uh retiring it but yeah i traveled all around the country with that one and i did a whole bunch of different acts i was really known for my feather fans um and for my comedic timing and my magical stool that i would push down on my magical stool and now people on tiktok know me for the magical stool tool so fascinating fascinating so where when did you start being the the handyman I started doing it by accident. Uh, so I um, was doing maintenance uh, as what I would call my side gig, right? Like every performer thinks that they're a performer first and 
their real job is their second job, right? So I always views, viewed maintenance as my side gig in a lot of ways because I was traveling around the country as a professional performer. But, you know, COVID happened. And um, I, my side gig became my career all of a sudden. And I started, and I amped it up, right? So I was doing a lot more renovation stuff, a lot more property management for rentals, um, a lot more of those kind of things. So one night, you know, uh, April 2nd, April 3rd of 2021, there was someone who posted a video about needing help with a ratchet strap. She was trying to take a canoe and strap it to um, some storage stuff in her storage unit. And no one on the internet was being nice to her. People, She was crying when she was doing it. And people were really rude to her and were making stitches and were doing stuff on TikTok where they were making fun of her and putting her down for crying over a ratchet strap. So I got really upset. And all I did was go in my car. I had no idea how to operate TikTok. I had, like, I had no idea. So I, like, poorly did this video and I just like grabbed my phone and held it in my car. And then I grabbed a ratchet strap. And with one hand, I was trying to teach people how to use a ratchet strap. And with other, I'm like, this is how you do a TikTok, right? And uh, the video was seen by 500,000 people by the end of the day. And I went from like 100 followers to 20,000 in less than a day. And then by the end of the week, it was 100,000. By the next week, it was 200,000. And then three months later, it was two, it was 1 million three months later. And uh, my life has changed forever. I just kept on doing videos like that. People seem to like it. And um, I, I've been doing handiwork my entire life. So, I, you know, trying to get by, right? I, no matter what, I could always make a few dollars by doing drywall and electrical. So, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter um, if I was touring or not. If I was in Florida, you know, and um, doing shows down there, I could always get an extra gig or two by just doing some maintenance stuff on the side. So I've been doing it my entire career and it just blew up. I All I did was say, hey there, hi, my name is Mercury. I'm the intersectional trans maintenance lady. Terrible branding, terrible branding. Uh, and I just started doing it. And then someone one day said, hey, you know, Mercury, you should call yourself the trans handy ma'am. And I thought that was fucking hilarious so i i was like yeah that's a great idea and then it just picked up and here i am you know two years later who would have thought you said you've been doing it all your life uh, when did it start uh, as a child yeah i mean my dad was really hell-bent on like teaching me like he wanted me to be like every every boy in northern wisconsin you know really good at baseball uh great at sports and then also good at tools and i grew up in a farm in a northern Wisconsin farm, and the, the the town was 387 people. Everyone knew each other. So, like, you know, if I was a little weird, my dad found out. You know what I mean? Like, if I was a, if I was a little femme uh, at school, my dad would hear about it, and then he would take it out of me later on. And he was just very hell-bent, and no matter what, making sure I knew this stuff. So that I kind of had a traumatic experience with learning this stuff. Like, I learned it in a way that I don't teach it. I learned it in like being yelled at and screamed at and hit in the back of the head and, you know, belittled along the way. So the way I teach is the way I wish I was taught. So I'm trying to like put that compassionate DIY in the world that I wish I had originally. But yeah, I, I kind of just fell into it. And because I, I got really good at it out of necessity and survival, that 
when I got into um, points in my life where I needed to be able to make money, I had these skills. So even though my dad was awful to me in a lot of ways, I had one skill set that was, you know, forged out of trauma. So, you know, uh, yeah. And then I got a whole bunch of certifications for it. Um, I have like 14 certifications in various stuff from HVAC and stuff like that. So, yeah, the knowledge just kept on coming. And I always really liked um, Bob Villa. I love Bob Villa. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this old house. I've watched everything from this old house over the last uh, 20 some odd years. So, uh, yeah, knowledge just kept, kept coming. Do you get calls a lot in person? You talked about rental maintenance. Um, are you a manager? How, how does that work? So the way it works now is I'm a full-time content creator. Um, you know, I run my own company. I'm a CEO of Mercury Stardust uh, Media LLC. But before that, yeah, I was a maintenance technician who would get called onto jobs. So like the, the way it worked before was I worked for whatever property management company needed me to, right? So I worked with a property management company in a rental space for about nine months before I started doing TikTok. And before that, I worked in industrial maintenance. So I did facilities maintenance. So big buildings, you know, big warehouses. I was doing all that stuff. And on the weekends when I wasn't performing, um, I was also doing like construction jobs and paint jobs. And I worked as an apprentice for a while for a painting company. Just a bunch of odd stuff. You know, you whatever made ends meet is what I did. And you make way more money, you know, patching up someone's hole in their bathroom than you are going to be, you know, doing burlesque or drag, you know. <laughs> so uh, and I needed to pay for my makeup somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, know that yeah how, how long have you been going by mercury stardust oh since 2014 it started as it started out as a stage name so i really loved freddie mercury and ziggy stardust right david Bowie. Oh, wow. and i when i was growing up i wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of artists and but they were just in that realm of mainstream enough where i was allowed to listen to them and I remember when I found out that, like, they were bisexual, right? You know, we say that now, but who knows what they would identify as now. But, like, when I found out they were bisexual and how queer they both were in various ways, it, like, changed my life. It, like, made me realize that they were right there in front of me and I just didn't pay attention to it. And I just really loved Freddie Mercury's stage presence. And I really loved uh, Ziggy Stardust's like persona on stage and how he conveyed himself to the world. So I thought that Mercury Stardust just made sense. And I love space. And that name just spawned into this whole thing. I didn't start using it in my everyday life until about 2017. And in 2019, when I came out um, as trans, is when I was like, well, you know, I'm not changing my name. I've been spending way too much time with this name. I can't change it now. <laughs> How did that work when you uh, changed uh, into Mercury? Uh, your past clients, your job situation, Oof. was that affected? You know, yeah, absolutely. So as a performer, it greatly affected me because I was a world-renowned boylesque performer, which is like the male equivalent of um, burlesque. They gender it for some reason. Um, but I was a male burlesque dancer. So I got I was seen all over the country as a man, right? And so it was very difficult. I lost a lot of gigs overnight. Um, everyone online 
was really proud of me. You know, uh, my first post about it was seen by thousands of people. And in the burlesque community, that was kind of a big deal um, because I was one of the top ranked male burlesque performers back in those days. So um, I just lost all my gigs overnight. No one knew how I was going to perform. They didn't know what I was going to be doing. So they all my opportunities dried up. So then I started focusing more on maintenance. But for about a year and a half, two years, I didn't tell anyone in maintenance. I just pretended to be a boy still. I was open and and with my life with every single one else. I started hormones while uh, and my body was changing. And I still was not open. I was so afraid. It wasn't until um, the pandemic hit that I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's been two years. I have to make a huge change. I got to like be who I am with everybody. And then, yeah, finding jobs was hard. Um, I applied for a job. I had a, a, a job I had for 10 years in maintenance as a, as a maintenance technician at a factory. And I, we, because I was, I was furloughed and the company was kind of in hard times, they couldn't keep us all on anymore. So I decided to take my, my, my pension and leave. And I thought, Hey, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, at this time, 12 plus years, I'm going to find a job fucking easy peasy lemon squeezy. Right. Uh, and I had 14 certifications. I, I was really well known in the maintenance world. Um, you know, <laughs> At the time, I was just a quirky guy. So everyone knew the quirky guy in maintenance, right? So I got applied for a job, and I was going to be an assistant maintenance technician. And they they gave me the job over the phone, and they accepted it right away. And they said, hey, come in for an interview on a Monday. So I did. And then immediately when they saw me in person, with dressing, you know, like I normally do with a sweatshirt and pants and but with a purse on and some of my makeup on, uh, they got cold feet real fast. Oh, and it got it was a really uncomfortable situation where um they told me to my face, it's not you, it's us. And the job that I was accepted for had vanished and everything. Um and it was really uncomfortable. It was an awful situation, and through emails, they essentially admitted what they did uh and it was awful to know that i lost a job opportunity and of course i could have pursued legal action but that's difficult so i decided to just not pursue it and just continue to focus on my stuff and that's when i got a full-time job uh again in property management which i didn't think i was going to be doing again and i just was a handy person around a property um the only handy person for 150 units about 500 people and it was a huge job it, uh it was the most daunting job i think i've ever done uh but i love doing it well a girl's got to eat that's for a sure girl's got to eat you're right amber <laughs> <laughs> well we want to hear more because we asked some of our fans some questions for you about some home maintenance questions so we're going to ask you those right after this break this is russell producer and co-host of amber live reminding you that it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at AmberLive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. And now, back to this incredible interview. 
I work back with Mercury Stardust, the home maintenance ma'am. And a few of our viewers had questions for you. Now, I want to know, have you ever had problems when you're doing a project in someone's home and there are pets around? You know, pets love to get in your way. If you put tools down, they will use them as toys. 100%. <laughs> uh, I always ask clients to make sure that the pets are crated or in another room. I also bring dog toys and cat treats with me every time I go to a job site. Well, the reason I ask is uh, we have a question from, uh, let's see that, Russell. Um, it is Dwayne from Chicago asks, how can you get a pussy out of a wall without scaring it when it has been sealed in during a home renovation? Number one, <laughs> has that ever happened to you? And yeah. Number two, what would you do? I mean, getting getting a pussy stuck in a wall, boy. <laughs> you know, yeah. I never I never had that happen to me, but if I did, um, the first thing I would probably do is I wouldn't want to use a knife or a drywall knife or anything like that, but I would want to create a hole of some kind with a, probably a hammer, a, a, reg, a regular uh, 12 to 14 um, ounce hammer, and just bang that hole in there. Yeah, the cat's going to get scared, but there isn't a whole lot of place for it to go, and if you can aim a little lower and then go from there and then put a cat treat of some kind and let the cat just naturally come out. I will tell you, this happens a lot more than you think it does. And the reason why I say that is because I am tagged on a regular basis, like once every week in a new cat got a stuck in the wall video. <laughs> it is wild uh, how often this happens, apparently, for kitty cats. Cats just, you know, they see a hole. They want to go for it. <laughs> I no comment there, but very good. <laughs> All right. One of our international fans has another question. She works in a hardware store. And that question from Leah in Newfoundland would like to know if you know what a ball cock is and how it got its name. I do know a lot about ball cocks. I do know a lot. <laughs> so a ball cock, for, for, for those who don't know, is what they used to call a float in a fill valve. So a fill valve in a toilet is this... Uh, mechanism that kind of brings everything in is a uh, is what makes uh is what makes your toilet thirsty for more water and it brings the water is and it uses this mechanism on it called a float or a ball cock and this would essentially tell you how much water you need to bring in and i i believe this was a term that they coined back in the 1790s this is an old term uh when they first started to uh design toilets but it was basically a ball cock was just basically the, the round part of it. So it only got its name because of the actual spiritual, like the spear shape it has. Uh, and back in the day, uh, cock meant a whole different kind of thing. So it just got kind of carried in there and grandfathered into there as a term. But boy, that's one of the weird ones. <laughs> and, and by the way, you can't say ball cock on TikTok. <laughs> they, they don't yeah, like you can't. I mean, honestly, I have a hard time saying uh, cock on, on on TikTok. If I'm, if I'm talking about like sealant or C-A-U-L-K. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I cannot say it. And I have a very thick northern Wisconsin accent. So when I say it, boy, it does not sound like what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't go into Home Depot and ask for that. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't. Yeah, can I get some like, silicone cock, please? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you wish, ma'am. <laughs> Whatever you wish. <laughs> yeah. um, what, what are some of the other odd jobs that you've been asked to do? Or not odd, but the, they'll go, oh, okay, I'll try it. 
<laughs> you know, I've been asked a lot of different jobs over the years. I think my least favorite job of all time will be redoing a wax ring on a toilet. Uh, those are never fun jobs. For those who don't know, whenever you take a toilet off of its like pipe system, you have to scrape off this ugly thing called a wax ring. It helps to seal underneath your toilet so you're not going to have any leakages. And it helps to prevent smell coming up from underneath the sewage system. Um, but you got to scrape it off and then put a new one on every time you take a toilet off. And it is one of the worst jobs in the world. Uh, right now, uh, it's more common to use these silicone rings. Um, they're like five times as much money. Uh, and they're like rubber-based. And you just put them in there and they're supposed to last for like 20, 30 years. But honestly, I don't think they do a good job sealing up your toilet. So then wax ring, as disgusting as it is, it's still a better option than those silicone ones are, in my opinion. Um, if, yeah. if you could give a homeowner or a renter any, uh, what would be your number one piece of advice to them? Oh, my number one piece of advice for any homeowner uh, would probably be located when it comes to clogs. I get so many questions about clogs on a daily basis, and I always tell people to stay away from chemical drain cleaners. Yeah. Chemical drain cleaners are the death of me, I swear. Everyone wants to use Drano. They want to use liquid heat. Even Thrift, um, the 100% pure lye uh, products, they're fine, right? Like, these are fine products in a pinch. And when you can't take it out with a with, with a uh, type of auger. Hold on. I have a little product I like here called a Cobra Skinny Drain Cleaner. And these are $10. You can get these at most hardware stores at this point. And these are pretty renter-friendly and homeowner-friendly. And if you've never worked with an auger before, I think this is a good route to go. I have a whole bunch of videos on my TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube about this. So I highly recommend getting something like this. And stay away from these plastic products like this one. This is what we call a zippet. And I hate these. These zippets are so common. Um, but what happens is... Yeah, they're a little bit, they're a little bit, um, they'll break in your sink or your tub. Ooh. And they're also all these little ridges right here. They're will, sharp. Yeah, they'll, they're sharp and they crack off really well. And you don't want plastic in your plumbing system. And honestly, it's just too short. Most of, most of your clogs are going to be anywhere between three to about eight feet. That's why the corporate skinny drain cleaner that's eight feet long, it's going to do a much better job than an 18-inch zip it. So that's my hot advice for homeowners and renters. So that other product you showed, uh, bring that up again. The That auger, the... Uh, yep, this is what we call... So a, how would you do that? How does that work? So this one specifically is all one unit. Uh, it's, so you hold it right here in your hand and you just spin it around, okay? This whole unit spins. Now, do you stick that end into the, the drain yes. hole? Okay. Yeah, okay. this end right here, this metal rod, is about one-eighth inch wide. It's small enough to fit in almost any drain. But I bend it at a 45-degree angle. It didn't come this way. Oh. I made it this way. And the reason why is because when you loosen this up, Amber, and you're throwing it in the drain, you're going to tighten it up. And then you're going to try to feed it into the drain and spin it. And as you're spinning it, this is what's going to catch on those 90-degree angles, those curves in the pipes. This is going to have a lot like likelihood to catch it and then spin it and pull it down. And as each time you're getting closer to the hole, 
you're loosening it up, putting more down it, tightening it up, and spinning it again. You don't want to have a whole bunch of this wire out of the drain because if you do, it's going to kink up yeah. and it's going to be a nightmare to do. So you want to make sure you keep the actual nozzle of it as close to the drain as possible and just keep spinning it. And I'm going to look, I'm going to look at that the next time I go to the hardware store. Cause that's... it's such a lifesaver. It's just a lifesaver. These, you know, if you want to graduate to a, a more effective tool, then I highly recommend a pistol grip hand dogger. Uh, those are the, the daddy version of these. These are the baby. You can get the daddy for about $25, $30. And this is only $10. What was the name of that again? It's a pistol grip hand auger. Everything sounds dirty. When it yes. talks about plumbing, nothing sounds appropriate, Amber. <laughs> <laughs> and that must mean why we like it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's why we love it so much. <laughs> All right, Mercury, we have one more segment to talk to you about. We're going to talk to you about the, what's going on in the country with the uh, the drag trans gay community, the attacks both uh, um, physically and politically. So we'll talk about that right after this message. Thanks for listening to this interview. This is Russell, producer and co-host of Amber Live, reminding you that we stream on YouTube every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out the hundreds of past interviews and all the comedy sketches, songs, and more from previous episodes. And remember to subscribe to us, both here and on YouTube.com slash Amber Live, so you don't miss a single new guest or a hysterical comedy sketch. Okay, we're back now with Mercury Stardust, and we're going to talk about the, what's happening, as we have many times here on Amber Live, the attacks on the gay, trans, and drag communities. So, Mercury, do you have any history with uh, being attacked, either physically or politically? I've had gotten a lot of death threats. Um, and since I've come out um, as a trans person, it was definitely something that happened almost immediately. But then when I started doing online content, uh, it's been pretty consistent. I would say a couple times a week, I get some type of death threat in one of my emails, DMs. I have gotten uh, death threats in my mailbox before. Um, and I've had people follow me to my car and, you know, do one of these. Um, and it's been it's been touch or go and kind of scary. Um, and I think because I'm such a public figure and I'm so loud about my activism that I think that sometimes I become a target for people, especially in my local community. Um, and yeah, in, in our local community, we've had some issues, you know, um, I think everywhere in the country, there's people who have feelings about, uh, trans people and drag people. And for a lot of people who hate the queer community, uh, drag and trans are almost the same to them. Yeah. They don't understand the difference at all. And it, it's awful. Yeah. You're in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, do you feel a little safer there than you would, let's say, in Omaha, Nebraska, or someplace else? I mean, I do to some extent, right? Um, I think I, I I often call Madison the white liberal capital of the world, where it's like nice and friendly to your face and passive aggressive behind your back, right? Um, I think that people are comfortable here, but that also means that they're not radical sometimes. And I think that what we need in the queer community and what we need in politics is radical rethinking and radical progressivism. Like, I think we need to be more accepting and understanding of uh, progressive ideas and understand that's how we're going to be in better places uh, politically. But often it's 
people are just too comfortable um, with things here in Madison and it makes it hard to get stuff done um, and to really think about people who live different lives than the norm. Um, you've, but yeah, you've mentioned you've mentioned several times that you are an activist. Tell me some of your uh, what you've done. So I ran a weekly burlesque show for the last five years or so in Madison. And every single time we did that show, um, often we would raise money for the trans community. So I used my platform even before I got online to raise money for trans groups. Um, we paid for people's individual um, medical care. And even now I'm raising $1 million for trans health care on March 30th and March 31st trans day of awareness um, with my very good friend, Jory, who's another trans person on the internet known as alluring skulls. And her and I are going to be raising $1 million for trans healthcare. Um, and that's where my activism has always been using my big mouth to raise money for other people in the queer community. Well, that's just super. Well, what, what can you see that other people who, who might not necessarily have your soapbox or your your visibility, how, how can they protect themselves or what should they be doing? You know, I think if we're talking about um, being a queer person in the world right now, I think it's important to be prepared. I really do. I'm never trying to fear monger. I, I, but I really do think it's important to understand that as queer people, we are often targets in various ways right and i when i ran shows i always made sure we had an exit strategy ever since pulse nightclub um back in 2016 every single one of my shows had uh an active shooter scenario written right into it so we would literally before the show every single friday night before the show i would speak to my performers and i would tell them uh, exactly how to leave the building exactly what to do if someone where it where they would enter and then we would have a uh you know a place to meet if anything would go down and any venue we were ever at um you know we used to joke a long time ago that if anything would happen we would meet at the local kfc which was about a half mile down the road um but that was a light-hearted way to try to laugh at a really dark scenario um but yeah i mean be prepared um have a a, a, a go-to bag in the back of your car, having an emergency bag in the back of your car is one of those life-saving things you'll ever have. This is a medical kit. This is an active shooter kit. Uh, and it's a, a self-defense uh, uh, kit. So having those things in the back of your car is really important. Uh, having that with you, having some type of uh, thing with you and making sure your friends know where you're at. And I hate that we have to think about that kind of thing. That's but that's like an, an active thing we should be telling each other to like, I, you know, we don't have to all be certified in weapons. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not, I don't own a, a gun. I don't believe in guns, but I do believe in taking care of ourselves and be prepared for the absolute worst. And I always keep stuff in the back of my car and um, with me in my office. I have a whole bunch of stuff here for people in case anything would happen. Um, and yeah, just being prepared and supportive and listening to each other is how we survive. Who would have thought we'd have to be working like that in 2023? I know. Uh, just, just yeah. With, with greater visibility, Amber, comes uh, greater attacks. Yeah. And I am so grateful for the visibility that so many of us in various different forms have had. 
but that does mean that we have um, a very unwanted responsibility of dealing with the extra hate we, we get in response to it. Um, right. But I do believe only time will help us. If we keep working at this, we will be better off for it. I really do believe that. I believe that too, Mercury. So we just have got to keep plugging and doing what we do. Yes, Thank we you do. so much for joining us on Amber Live. What a fascinating and entertaining interview tonight. Thank you very much, Mercury. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Mercury. That was a great interview, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Amber Live Interviews. Remember to subscribe to us so you don't miss a single minute of the fun. And remember, it is your support that keeps us going. You can make a donation through this podcast by using our Venmo at RJD Pro or by visiting us at amberlive.tv and clicking on the Support Amber Live button. Thank you.